spiritual CrossFit or Christian CrossFit. And it is in line with uh, the Commonwealth Games and uh, went to the Commonwealth Games opening ceremony. Uh, we've got a photo of that. I think we have. Uh, this was the opening ceremony. And uh, this was actually the, the, if you go to the next photo, this is the photo of the English team walking past. And you'll remember a couple of weeks ago when I spoke on uh, Australia and the Australian flag, I mentioned the flag of St. George, which is part of the Union Jack, which is part of the Australian flag. They marched under the banner of St. George. And St. George was an amazing Christian martyr who stood for his faith and gave his life for his faith. And so as the English crowd walked past, I smiled and thanked St. George for being an awesome martyr for the Christian faith. But our series verse this morning, if you've got your Bibles, it'll be up on the screen as well, is 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 24. And Amanda, do you want to come down when you're ready? That would be fantastic. Uh, this is our series verse, 1 Corinthians 9, 24. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run? But one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we do it for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached it to others, I myself shall be disqualified. I just love that verse that says, Do you not know that all who run... Uh, run in a race, but one receives a prize. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. This morning, I'm going to preach on the health of your heart. Uh, I joined the gym. When I joined this church, I went straight down and joined the gym uh, down in the main street and they do an interview and the first thing they do is they want to find out how healthy you are and particularly how healthy your heart is and because people drop dead when they exercise and so they, they majored on the heart. Funny story though, uh, I've paid six months of gym membership and haven't attended there once apart from the interview. But anyway, anyway, so this morning, this morning we are, because uh, we're preaching on the heart, I thought we would buy people heart ice creams. Uh, then, then I realised how much they are, so I only bought 20. So if you would like a heart ice cream and your heart's okay, uh, over there, just right over here to this young lady here. Uh, stick your hand up, Amanda will give you a hard ice cream and we'll get on with it. Fantastic. Okay, focus here while you're eating ice cream. Andy Stanley says, and we'll put this on the screen, Andy Stanley writes, our heart seeps into every conversation. It dictates every relationship. We live, parent, lead, relate, romance, confront, react, respond, instruct, manage, problem solve and love from the heart. Our heart impacts the intensity of our communication. Our hearts have the potential to exaggerate our sensitivities and our insensitivities. Every arena of life intersects with what's going on in our heart. Everything passes through, passes through on its way to wherever it is going Everything, the condition of your heart. So obviously I'm not talking about the health of your natural heart this morning. I'm talking about the health of your spiritual heart because it's the health of your heart determines the health of everything. The reality is and I was Googling today, I was Googling in the preparation, I was Googling about your heart and, um, you know, and I, I said, 
why is, why is the heart, and I come up with the most important organ? I'm going, well, because if it doesn't work, you're dead. Uh, you know, you probably, you know, if you don't have good kidneys, you can be on dialysis, but if your heart stops, you're sunk. Uh, so your heart is pretty important. But your spiritual heart is equally important. If not, more important because it implicates you for the eternities. So here are some of the reasons why the condition of your heart is important. Number one, the anointing of the Holy Ghost flows through your heart. John 7 and 37 and 38, Jesus says, He who believes in me, as the Scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. It goes on and explains that this was talking about the Holy Spirit, that Jesus had said, come to me all who thirst and, and uh, you'll be refreshed. Now your heart will flow rivers of living water. But if our heart is polluted, if our heart is, 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 uh, is hard, if our heart is wounded, if our heart carries all sorts of bitterness and, and ugliness in our heart, and then we come to church and we want the Holy Ghost to flow through us, we want to we walk with the anointing of the Holy Spirit, then it's a blockage. It becomes like a blocked artery in your heart. And if you have a blocked artery in your heart, again, your heart doesn't function to the way it should. Another reason why your heart is important is because in 1 John 3 and verse 21, it says, Beloved, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God. Now, I don't know about you, but there's been times when I've gone to pray and I'm praying. And it's not even the devil. But there's a voice in my head saying, you sinned this morning. You, whatever I did. And now you're going to come and start praying. And my own heart, the guilt and the conviction of my own heart is condemning me before God. And so any level of confidence that I have before God is whittled away because I'm being condemned by my own heart. But if we keep short accounts and we repent of our sin, then it comes back to where our hearts don't condemn us and it's with boldness and confidence that we can come before the throne room of God. I don't know, has anyone, has anyone ever been condemned by your own heart? Has anyone ever heard that inner voice and you go, you know, it's not the devil. It's you talking to yourself and it's your conscience and it's your heart saying, hey, you really shouldn't be here now until you get right with God. Beloved, if our hearts don't condemn us, we have confidence toward God. The third reason our heart is important is because the brooding of your destiny takes place there. Proverbs 23 verse 7 says, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. I mean, this is a phenomenal con concept that, 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 that you become like your dominant thought, like the dominant meditation of your heart. That's the direction of your life. I mean, that's a phenomenal thing when you think about it. And I, I've been to a, a few motivational seminars in my life, non-Christian ones, and they always say that you become like your most dominant thought which is just purely Scripture, that you become like the meditation of your heart. You become uh, in your life, the direction of your life goes in that way. And so we have to be so careful about the health of our heart and what we're meditating on. Because if we're meditating on the wrong things, it, it, suddenly our life just begins to go in that direction. Another reason why your heart is important is because out of your heart, comes words and words carry death and life. Matthew 20, 12 and verse 34, it says, Brood of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Let me tell you something. If you want to have a quick snapshot into the health of your heart, have a look what you talk about. 
I used to have a motorbike, had a GSX 1100, and didn't have an oil dipstick. What it did was have a little window that you would put the bike on its centre stand, and you would get down level with the with the right at the bottom of the engine, and there was a window there that you could look into the the, the health of the engine. The oil is it dirty? Is it full? Is it clean? Does it need to be changed? And it was like this little window into the very soul of my motorbike. Unlike Harley Davidsons, who don't actually have a soul. No, true story. If you get a Harley Davidson and put it in front of a mirror, it doesn't have a reflection. Anyway, so like I could look straight into the soul of my motorbike and see the quality of the engine oil. And you know, if you want to have a peephole, a, a, a window into the very health of your heart, have a look what's coming out of your mouth. Is it faith filled? Is it positive? Is it encouraging? Or is it complaining, negative, whinging, judgmental, swearing. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And I, and I do find it hard at times to be around people who profess to be Christians, but will drop the occasional swear word or will drop the occasional uh, word that I just, things that I just think are totally inappropriate for people who are followers of Jesus Christ. Another reason why the health, uh, the, the health of your heart is important is because it determines what you look like. Proverbs 15 and verse 3 says, A merry heart makes a cheerful countenance, but by sorrow of the heart the spirit is broken. I mean, you can, pick, you can pick the people that have got a broken heart. You can pick them because they wear it on their face. A merry heart makes a cheerful countenance, but a, a heart of, of, of a broken heart, there's a sorrow. There's just a, I mean, you, you just walk into any shopping centre. Man, I could walk through the shopping centre and, and almost tell people what's going on in their life by the way that they are just carrying their shoulders, their countenance, their face, the way they walk. It's all very telling. But a healthy heart changes what you look like. Another reason why the heart is important is the heart is the strategic planning faculty of your life. Proverbs 16 verse 9 says, A man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Sorry, a man's heart plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. Let me give you a bit of an, uh, 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 some advice. If you're waiting for God to give you some direction, don't sit down. Too many Christians go, oh, I don't know what the next season of my life is, so I'm just going to wait here. I'm waiting on God, and, and I'm just going to see. But the Bible actually says that you plan where you want to go in your heart and you start work walking towards it because it's easier to direct somebody that's walking and the direction might change based on what God's saying. But if you're stationary, how can God direct your steps? That was a bonus thought, that one. <laughs> Why is your heart important? Because it's part of the, our lives that God examines to see our position towards heaven. 1 Samuel 16 and verse 7, But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I rejected him. The Lord does not look at things as people look at, but, they, but people look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. It's vital importance because you know what? God is looking at our hearts this morning. And at the end of the service, I'm actually going to have a bit of an altar call. If you want to get your heart, uh, have a bit of a work over with God, then maybe we're going to do some business after the service and just say, you know what, God, I need, I need, I need you to do what you did in David. David prayed, create in me a clean heart, O oh God. Renew a right spirit within me. You know, there's times where you just have to say, God, creating me a clean heart. God, I need to come under the examination of you right now. Come Holy Spirit, search my heart. 
I actually have heart issues. Not spiritual heart issues. I actually have natural heart issues. I have eptopic heartbeats, which means uh, it feels like I miss heartbeats, but it just puts them together. So it'll go boom, 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 and goes like that. And sometimes they're really bad. We had a, I had a bad uh, uh, turn the other day, and I was missing every fourth beat, or it felt that I was missing every fourth beat. Um, but so I've gone through all the stress tests. I've had ultrasounds on my heart. I've done everything I can, and they just go, you're fine. But, I, but it, was the, it was the tests and the searches and, the, and all the things that they did to find out that my heart's okay. We need to do exactly the same with the Holy Spirit. We need to say, Holy Spirit, come. Do, do a, put a cardiograph on my heart. Uh, God, put an ultrasound on my heart. God, do whatever you need to do to find out what's, what's in my heart. God, I want a healthy heart. It is of vital importance that we have a healthy heart. I'm just going to give you the next few points and then I want to go into part two of my message. Uh, but I'm running out of time, so I'm just going to give you, just, just I'll give them to you. So uh, the next one is that the pure, the pure of heart see God. Uh, actually, let me explain that for a minute. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I actually think this is becoming a greater and greater challenge. The other day, we were just, I was just on Facebook and I was just sitting there with Melanie and uh, adverts come up for girls' undies, Right? With girls in them. Right, so here I am just doing social media. Just I'm not, I'm not on any bad sites. I'm on social media, but being confronted with women in their knickers. Now, as a man, I don't want to see that. Right? So, so when it says here, the blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God, I think it's becoming more and more of a challenge as, as the internet just feeds us information that we don't even ask for, but we're confronted with those images. And so it is important and imperative that we make sure, you know, I love there's a scripture that says, uh, I made it, it's uh, in Ezekiel, I made a covenant with my eyes that I would not last. And we have to be continually making that covenant with our eyes uh, to, to keep our hearts pure. Uh, number, uh, the next one is that it's through the heart that we love God, Luke 10, 27. Next one, it is our hearts. It's out of our heart that sin emanates, uh, which, is, which is a big deal. And the last one is because the issues of life spring from the heart. But what I want to do today is actually pull apart a couple of hearts, not, not literally, although I do have... I always admire doctors and nurses whenever I give blood and they put these gloves on seamlessly... I just don't just I tell you what if you were dying and I needed to put the gloves on to save you I think you'd be in heaven all right This is a cow's heart. Oh, look, inside. Look, there's inside. Oh, it's dripping. Thank you. You came prepared. Yeah, I did. So, look, there's... This is... So, anyway, this is a cow's heart. Move over. Why are we moving over? In the light. Oh. 
It's like Simba. <laughs> After he was eaten by the bad person. What's that? Can you take a photo? Oh, smile. Okay. All right, I think that's enough. Okay. I think what, do what do I want to do with it? Take it out to Karen and Norm and cook it up for lunch. All right, for a few minutes, I just want to pull apart a few hearts. The first one is the, the hard heart. In Exodus 7 and verse 13, it said, Yet Pharaoh's heart became hard, and he would not listen to them just as the Lord had said. In Zechariah 7 and verse 12, listen to this, it said, They made their hearts diamond hard, lest they should hear the law of the Lord and the words that the Lord had, of hosts had spoken and sent. Th these people in Zechariah, they, they made their hearts diamond hard. You know, you, you talk to some people and they're open to the things of, of, of God and then there's others that are just so closed, like their hearts are just, are, are just so hard. I, I listened to a, a message one time by a guy called Jack Haynes and he talked about the tyranny of a hard heart. And he, he said, and this is a quote, the price of a hard heart is insurmountable. A thousand demons unleashed against me couldn't do as much damage as what I can do with a hard heart. And he said, don't be deceived by the capacity of your heart for evil. We must at all times keep a soft heart toward God. And, and look, I know, let me tell you something. I know life happens. I'm going to talk about a wounded heart in a minute. Life happens and we get hurt. We can get hurt, family scenarios, marriage scenarios, kid scenarios, uh, friendship scenarios. Uh, I mean, we, we can, there's, there's all manner of ways that you can get hurt. But we have to keep our hearts soft. It is imperative that we do not become hard-hearted to, to life, to relationships, to the things of the Spirit. The second, part, the second heart that I want to pull apart today is the wounded heart. Psalm 147 and verse 3. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Proverbs 26 and verse 22. The words of a talebearer are as wounds and they go down into the innermost parts of the belly or the innermost parts of the heart. Psalm 109 and verse 22. For I am poor and needy and my heart is wounded within me. Reality is that if we went around the room, we would all have opportunity to, to say, We've, I've been wounded. I mean, the, the problem with life is that, that people hurt us. And it's, it's those that are closest to us that can do the most damage. But we need to bring our wounded heart to the healer. We need to bring our heart to Jesus to say, Jesus, my heart's been wounded, but I need it to be healed. We do spend a lot of uh, time, effort, money and prayer on our physical health. But we need to spend equal amount of time on our spiritual health and say, come on, God, I need you to heal my wounded heart. Then there's a the divided heart, Psalm 86 and verse 11 and 12. Teach me, way, uh, teach me your way, O Lord, and I will walk in your truth. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. I will praise you, O Lord, my God, with all my heart and I will glorify your name. Too many Christians have a divided heart. 
They have that, that they've got a, a foot and a heart. Half of their heart is in this side, and this is like the world. And then over here, they've got a foot in in this camp, and this is the, the the church. And they try and walk the fine line of trying to trying to keep enough in the world to enjoy it, and enough in God that they'll you know they'll kind of be okay with God. The problem is that they've got enough of God in them that they can't enjoy the world, and they've got enough of the world in them that they can't enjoy God. So of all people, they are most unhappy. But to, to not have a divided heart, but to say, my heart is for Christ. My heart is, I, I, I am fully Christian. You know, the Bible talks about love the Lord your God with all your heart. There's no opportunity for a divided heart. There's no opportunity for a little bit of the world and a little bit of, uh, a little bit of the church, uh, a little bit of God. It's all God. It has to be all God. The next heart that I want to look at is the lukewarm heart. 2 Chronicles 25 and verse 2 says, And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a loyal heart. The Bible talks about in Revelation that uh, the, the person that's, that's lukewarm, there's, 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 no, there's no passion, there's, there's no commitment, there's no, uh, there's no strength, there's, there's, there's just, it, it's just, just there. It's almost like the heart is just beating enough to keep them alive. You know, people with, with, Weak hearts don't run marathons. Why? Because your heart, the heart can't, can't sustain that level of blood flow around the body. And it's like a lukewarm heart is, is a heart that's, 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 that's barely alive, that, that there's no passion, there's no excitement, there's no, that there's no thrill of life or thrill of serving God. There's, there's no excitement in worship. It's just that the, the, the Christian's heart is just beating enough to keep them alive at being a Christian, but that's about it. A lukewarm heart. The next heart is the stolen heart. Oh, you got that? Yeah. There's still some people going, what? What? It's an empty stick. The heart was stolen. The ice cream. You just getting that now? Okay, well, hey, let's welcome all the Tasmanians. Ah, <laughs> oh, let's get going. Have we, got any, have we got any Tasmanians here this morning? Okay, sorry. I've probably been using some words you don't understand. <laughs> the stolen heart. See, in, one, in 2 Timothy 4 and verse 10, this, this is Paul writing to Timothy, and he says, For Demas has forsaken me, having loved the, this present world and has departed for Thessalonica, uh, Cretans for Galatia, Titus for Dalmatia. For Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. His heart was stolen. See, the devil wants to steal your heart. There's a great battle going on for your heart right now. And the devil wants to take you out. But you know what? Just not the devil, but the world wants to take you out. The world does not celebrate your Christianity. And it's like those testimonies we heard today from the Gideons where these young boys get a Bible and will rip it up and will stomp on it. It's not necessarily the devil, but it's the spirit of the age where the world is anti-God, anti-Word of God, anti-Christian. And the world and the devil want to steal your heart. There's too many Christians that have had their hearts stolen. 
Yeah, I've been in this church now eight months, uh, coming up to nine months. So soon we're going to be giving birth. But anyway, uh, and in, in eight months, you know, there's a, a very consistent term that I've heard around this church is oh, so-and-so and so-and-so. They used to come to this church, but they don't go anywhere now. And that, as a pastor, grieves me greatly because somewhere along the line, these people, great people, people on the worship team, people in leadership have had their hearts stolen. And that's very sad. And we need to be praying to get those hearts back. I really over-prepped this, this, this sermon, but uh, let me just give you a couple more as we, we wrap it up as the worship team come up. The next one is your located heart, which I talked about in communion, um, which I won't worry about that. Um, then the next one is the unguarded heart. In 2, in 2 Samuel 13, 28, it said, Now Absalom commanded his servants, saying, Watch now, when Ammon's heart is merry with wine, when I say to him, Strike Ammon, then kill him. Do not be afraid, I have, not command, have I not commanded you to be courageous and, and vigilant. And this is talking about having an unguarded heart. Proverbs 4 and verse 23 says that above all else, guard your heart with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life. And, and I'll, I'll finish on, on just explaining that a little bit. You know, it, that literally means that the, the, the borders or the parameters of your life are set by what comes out of your heart, which is impacted by what goes in. Proverbs chapter 4 is written by Solomon, one of the wisest people that ever lived. And right at the end of a whole stack of uh, verses on wisdom, he says this. He says, above all else, above all else, guard your heart with all diligence because out of it spring the issues of life. And if we want to be healthy spiritually, but I also believe if we want to have an amazing life, it comes down to how well we guard our heart. That above all else, that we would guard our heart because out of it would spring the issues of life. Now, there was a few other hearts that, that uh, I could have talked about. There's a dirty heart. There's an unrepentant heart with a two. But ultimately, it comes down to us doing a, heart, a health check right now on our heart. And so here's a few questions. Are you repentant? Is your heart washed by the blood of Jesus? Is your heart and your treasure located firmly in the kingdom of God? Is your heart not hard? Is your heart not lukewarm? Is it not divided? Has your wounded heart been healed by Jesus? Has the devil kept from stealing your heart? And is your heart above all else guarded? Now as we finish off this morning, uh, I'm going to do a couple of things. I'm going to do a salvation altar call and give people opportunity to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour. We want to take up an offering for Gideon's and then we want to be able to pray for, for some people. Uh, if people want to respond and, and pray that prayer like King David, create me in a clean heart, O God. What I want to do is, uh, because once we start praying for people, uh, we'll get distracted.